0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast, Casting Down Idols Through the Power of the Gospel, where we talk about addictions and recovery from a biblical point of view. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, and I'm addressing the problem of addictions from my own personal experience, but most importantly, from a biblical perspective. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, shopping, or overeating, or whatever you may struggle with, there is hope for change. It's my prayer that you'll gain some tools through this podcast that will help you walk in sobriety and stay clean. I've been clean now for 31 years, and you can too. Welcome to today's podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is episode number one. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, and I want to make this statement right to begin with. I used to be an alcoholic, but I'm not anymore. I used to be a drug addict, but not anymore. I want to encourage you today to understand there is hope for change. There is a power available that can transform you and you can put the past in the past. You do not have to remain who you are. That's the good news of the gospel. Now I know that's true for a couple of reasons. Number one, because God says that it's true. And number two, I know it's true from my own personal experience. I've been living clean now from drugs for 31 years. I've been walking in sobriety from alcohol abuse for 31 years, and so I know that a person can change. I'm not who I used to be. In fact, I can say I'm not an alcoholic and I'm not a drug addict any longer because I don't have the desire to want to go back and to use drugs and to drink alcohol. I've been set free from that. That's been put in my past. Now, it's not always been that way. The next episode, episode number two, I plan on sharing my testimony with you. I want you to know a little bit more about me and where the Lord has brought me from and what has worked for me in recovery. And it's my prayer that uh, it'll encourage you and maybe help you understand a way out of whatever it is that's holding you captive even today. In this very first episode together, I want us to answer the question, what is an addiction from a spiritual perspective? What really is and addiction. And when I use the term addiction, I'm not just referring to drug addiction. I'm not just referring to alcoholism. Many other things can hold our hearts captive as well. I think about gambling addictions and pornography addictions and overeating addictions. Really anything or anyone can become an addiction in your life. It really comes down to this. What is it that is controlling you? What is it that is dictating how you're to live your life? If you think of the number one slot in your priorities, what is the most important thing in your life? What do you spend your time doing? What do you spend your resources pouring into? What is it that you love more than anything else? Now, as you ponder the answer to that question, your answer may not identify a bad thing. I mean, you're purpose in life, and the most important thing to you may be a good thing. I know family is a good thing. Children are are good things. Uh, Your job is a good thing. Your health is a good thing. All those things are good things, but not the best thing and not the one thing that ought to be our God. There's only one true living God, and that's the God of the Bible. That's the God who created us. He knows better than anyone how we ought to be living and how we ought to be overcoming the things that want to hold us captive. And so if we're not worshiping the one true living God, the God of the Bible, we're worshiping a false God. Let me give you this illustration. If I was driving a nail into a board, I wouldn't grab a screwdriver and try to drive that nail into that board. You say, Pastor Mike, that would be ridiculous. And it would. And it wouldn't work too well. And the reason being is that a screwdriver was never created to drive a nail in a board. I need a hammer. And when I pick up a hammer and I begin to drive that nail on the board, that works a whole lot better than trying to use a screwdriver. God's created you and God's created me with a certain purpose in mind, a certain goal that we ought to be aiming for as we live our lives. And as we decide that we're going to live our life any other way than God's plan and God's purpose for us, that's like grabbing that screwdriver and trying to drive a nail into a board. It's not going to work. And so God's word, the Holy Bible instructs us, uh, think of it as being a a manual for life. And in God's word in first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, I want you to hear this verse because I believe everybody's living their life aiming for something. There's a bullseye, an imaginary bullseye out in front of every single person who's living their life. And that bullseye, that thing they're aiming for, is really going to dictate what they do, how they live their life, what decisions they make when they're facing choices. 1 Corinthians 10.31 It tells us, therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, that's our bullseye. That should be our bullseye. I don't know how many of you remember that show years ago, Family Feud. They'd have these families, and they would be competing with one another and trying to win the prize, and they had the scoreboard up, you know, on the wall, and some of you remember that. The host of the show would turn to the scoreboard, and it would be one, two, three, four, five, six, ever how many answers there were, and he would say, and the survey says, well, I'm going to say, in God's word says, but the number one response from people when I've asked the question over the years in so many counseling situations, what is it that you're aiming for? What is it that you want out of life more than anything else? The survey says the number one answer has always been, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. And I don't believe that God is out to make us unhappy. But what I'm saying today, based on the authority of the Word of God, the Holy Bible, that is not God's intent for us just to live our life for personal happiness. God's got a higher goal than that. God's created us with the plan and with the purpose that we would bring honor and glory to Him. Now, some scholars and preachers would put it in a a different, different vernacular. They would say, we're created to worship God. It's the same thing. To bring honor to God, to bring glory to God, to worship God, to live our life with that intent. But then the next question easily follows that, well, what does it mean to live my life to bring glory to God? Well, what that means is we take the truth of God, we take the Holy Bible, we take the manual for life that God has given us, and we apply that truth to our life, and then we're able to live the life that God created us, God intends for us to live but there's a struggle with that. In fact, I believe that you cannot live out that life uh, without a power higher than your power. Now, AA and NA and other organizations refer to that power as a higher power, and God certainly is a higher power, but I would go as far as to say he is the highest power. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell within you. That's a power you didn't have before. And so you've got a strength and you've got a power to overcome that you didn't have before. I think back on my drug addiction years and uh, my time of alcoholism. It almost destroyed my life and hurt so many people that were near and dear to me. And uh, There was a time in my life I was in trouble uh, with everybody around me, in trouble with the police, in trouble with my parents, in trouble at school, uh, certainly in trouble with God. And so many times I would wake up in the mornings with a hangover and not even able to remember what I had done uh, the night before, even uh, the last two or three days if the stupor had lasted that long. And in that hungover state with a throbbing headache and a raw throat and an aching body not remembering what I'd done and who I'd been with, what kind of actions I had committed, I would be determined, I'm going to quit. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to break free. I'm going to stop using drugs. I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. And then in just a matter of two or three days, I would be right back into that pit doing the same thing, living the same kind of lifestyle. It just seemed like the addiction and the alcohol had such a bind on me that the chains were so tight and they were actually, Tightening as time would progress and squeezing me and literally just squeezing the life out of me, it was not till I was twenty-seven years old. so much darkness and loneliness and confusion in my heart, and so much pain and and I'll share some sources of that pain next time we're together in episode number two, but uh, at the age of twenty-seven years old, my wife and I together we knelt at an old-fashioned altar in brokenness. Our marriage was a shambles. My heart was crying out for healing. There was so much pain that had just been placed there so deep inside of me for so long, over a period of years, even as far back as growing up as a little boy and the things that happened to me and not knowing how to deal with those things. And in brokenness, my wife and I knelt together side by side at that old-fashioned altar. And I remember we were holding hands. And, and uh, as we prayed together, the whole church came around us and laid hands on us and prayed for us. And we wept there the, together. And those hot, scorching tears just pouring down my cheeks, just wetting the altar before us as we cried out in brokenness to God, God, help us. God, save us. I want you to know when I got up off of that altar off of my knees, I found a power within me I didn't have before. I had the strength within me that I didn't even know existed until that moment in time. And I'm not saying my recovery was easy. For me, it was about a period of one whole year, 12 months, that I had to take one step at a time, one day at a time. Lord God, I trust you. But let me tell you, one of the biggest things that helped me in my recovery and still helps me today is being part of a godly support group. And the best godly support group you could be part of is the Church of the Living Lord. If you're not associated with a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, I want to encourage you in this very first episode: find a Bible-believing church that you can get involved in let me tell you i know churches aren't perfect we're all in the same boat we all struggle you're not the only one struggling i'm not the only one struggling with sin we all struggle with sin and the lord's given us the body of christ and local churches today to be be a family that we can get involved in we can help one another we can encourage one another in this road to recovery and so early on at 27 years old when I surrendered to the Lord and He gave me this power of the Holy Spirit as He forgave me of my sins and brought me into the family of God, I had a new desire. I wanted to start living my life to bring honor to God. I wanted to get plugged into a local church and my wife and I immediately got plugged into a church and we began to serve and we begin to give and we begin to grow in our knowledge in the Word of God. And every day, i'd face each day early on in my recovery time and i'd just say i'm going to take this day lord god i'm going to trust you for this day help me to be clean this day help me to be sober this day And then the next day would come and I'd approach it the same way until God brought me down the road in my recovery to a point in time where I begin to understand, you know what, I'm not tempted to go back and use anymore. I don't want to trade my life now for the life that I lived before. Why do I want to go back to that dark life, to that life full of pain, to that life full of brokenness, to that life full of disaster, to that life full of trouble? Why would I trade what God has done for me and where God has brought me? Me to now for the life that I used to live my friend I don't know what the time period might be for you I'm just saying I believe with all my heart if you'll put your faith and trust in Christ and ask God to deliver you God will bring you to that deliverance there could be somebody listening to this episode today and I've known individuals uh, even during my time of recovery and now over 30 years in ministry who, when they surrendered, it was like God just, you know, zapped them. It's like they were just instantly changed, and uh, they didn't have any struggles after that. For me, it was, again, about a period of a year. For you, it might be less time. It may be more time. But what I'm saying today on the authority of the Word of God, that I believe there's a time. I believe if you put your faith in Christ and you trust God that God will take you through the recovery process, and maybe for you it will be a shorter period of time. Maybe for you it will be a longer period of time. That's really beside the point. The point is you focus on the Lord one day at a time and trust God to bring you to that place where you can say, I'm not tempted to go back. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I'm not an addict anymore. By the power of God, he has delivered me, and I've been changed forever. You know, God's Word is so full of some rich and meaningful eternal promises that can transform you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I want to share one of these promises with you today that ought to give you hope. You know, God's not changed. The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And just like He performed miracles in the Bible, God still performs miracles today. If you put your faith and trust in Him and look to Him, He can do what you can't do. He can give you a power that maybe you've been unsuccessful in finding, yet He can give you all that you need. Well, as God used the Apostle Paul to write to the church at Corinth, this is recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm going to begin to read in verse 9. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And remember who he's writing to. He's writing to the church at Corinth. And so he's writing to Christians. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, And I'll pause right there just to say this, that word drunkard in the Bible is a picture of all kinds of substance abuse. So drug addiction, alcoholism is in this long list of habitual lifestyle sins. He says, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes through this list of habitual lifestyle sins. A lot of sexual sins are included in this list, fornicators and and, uh, adulterers and homosexuals and sodomites. But he's also got thieves, and he's saying none of these, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the Bible's not teaching us that we are going to go to heaven because of our works what the bible's teaching us and this is in agreement with the whole counsel of the word of god is if you're saved your life is going to change you're not the person that you used to be god sets you free well here's the good news because there's this very next verse verse 11 gives us the good news paul goes on after this list that is given us and he said that none of these you're not going to see these kind of individuals in heaven he says in verse 11 and such were some of you Now just let me ask you, I'm not going to give you an English test, but let me ask you, is that past tense, present tense, or future tense? You know it's past tense. And so as Paul's writing to Christians at the church at Corinth, he's going through this long list of habitual lifestyle sins. And then he gets to verse 11 and he says, and such were some of you. So they used to be, but they're not anymore. So we could say there were some people at the church at Corinth, some born again believers, some Christians who used to be homosexuals, but they're not anymore. They used to be alcoholics, but not anymore. They used to be drug addicts, but not anymore. And so how did they overcome? How did they get past it? How did they get recovered past tense? How did they get finished with the road of recovery to find that transformation? Well, verse 11 gives us the answer. As he says, and such were some of you. Here's the rest. But you were washed, but you were sanctified but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Praise God. There's power, there's power found in the Holy Spirit of God. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God comes to live within you, and when He does that in the person of His precious Holy Spirit, you've got a power you didn't have before. So you don't have to stay the way you are. Recovery is possible. Transformation is possible is possible. A new life is possible. You can be a brand new creature. In fact, God's word tells us in Revelation chapter 21 and verse five, Jesus is speaking. He says, behold, I make all things new. He says, I make all things new. Wouldn't you like a new beginning? Wouldn't you like a new life? I'm just telling you today in this very first episode, it's available to you. I was not able to recover and leave the drug addiction and the alcoholism behind me until I looked in faith and I began to cry out to God, God help me, God save me, God forgive me, God bring me to a place where I'm transformed like those folks at the church at Corinth. I don't want to struggle with this for the rest of my life. And I can say with all my heart today, with all my conviction and on the authority of the word of God, I am not who I used to be. You know, God's got a wonderful plan for your life. He really does. God created you for a reason. God has has a plan and a purpose in mind for the way that you ought to be living your life. And when you get to a point where you stop trying to run your life, when you get to a point where you stop trying to have all the answers, when you get to a point where you let go of your life, I'm talking about surrender, and you give it to God, Don't let him be your co-pilot. Let him fly the plane of life. You scoot over. Give him controls and make the most important thing about your life from this moment on is it's not about my plans. It's not about my will. It's not about what I want to do. It's going to be what God wants for my life beginning right now. And let me tell you how you're going to find out what that is for you. Through God's word. That's why it's so important that you be in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. You need to make sure that you're associating with people that want to move in the same direction you want to move in. Folks that are aiming for that godly bullseye, 1 Corinthians 10.31. I want to bring, live my life to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And then you need to walk in the truth of God. Apply God's Word to your life. Have a regular daily time that you listen to God. You know, conversation's always a two-way street. We talk about prayer, we're talking about talking to God. When I talk about God's Word, I'm talking about God talking to me. And so you spend time in prayer. You cry out to God. You ask God to help you. You ask God to save you. You ask God that even in these coming episodes, in this podcast together, that through the teaching and the preaching and the instruction of the Word of God, through this concept of biblical counseling as we spend these times together, that God will speak to your heart. That God will show you all that you need to know that you can be the person that God wants you to be. And so you speak to God in prayer. You listen to God through the preaching, the teaching, the reading, the meditation of his word. That happens in a Bible-believing church. But that ought to happen in your regular, everyday life as you spend time with the master. I want to encourage you today. God's got a plan for you. Yeah, I never would have believed that God would have used me as 30 some years ago when I was caught up and in, in all the addictions going on in my life and my life was just in brokenness. And I mean, I had gone through one marriage and and uh, had started on a second marriage, even in my early 20s. And that marriage was in trouble. And so many things were happening in my life that I had brought on because of my sin, because of my rebellion to God. But when I took my hands off of my life and I said, Lord, God, help me. I want to tell you, God answered that prayer. I'm still a work in progress. I'm not perfect by any means. I fall short and I fail today. And I've still got to be on guard. Even though I'm not an addict anymore, even though I'm not an alcoholic anymore, I'm still a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace. It's easy for me to get tripped up. It's easy for me to fall. It's easy for me to begin to show my affections and my devotions to false gods instead of the one true God of the living Bible. And so I've got to be on guard for that. But let me tell you, the thing that gives me strength and the thing that gives me power is the Word of God. And walking in the Holy Spirit and His power... Taking the truth of the word, applying it to my life and to everyday problems, that's going to bring victory every single time. As we close today's episode, let me leave you with 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14. The Apostle Paul writes and says, therefore, beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from it. That word means run from it. Get away from it as fast as you can. And so whatever it is that's been controlling you, whatever has been your addiction, whatever it is that's binding you up, today's message is there's hope for change. You can be transformed. This does not have to be the pattern for the rest of your life. You can overcome. God can help you and give you the power you need and a brand new life. But you've got to decide. You know, we've got choices we've got to make every day. And really, when you talk about recovery, it starts with a desire to recover you're the only one your mom can't decide for you your spouse can't decide for you you've got to make a decision today i do not want to live the way that i've been living i want to get this addiction behind me i want to be set free i want to run from the idolatry as we think about addiction being an idol i want to run from it i want to get so far away from it it has no more effect on my life You know, idolatry is really evidence of a heart that has not been fully surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's evident of an unregenerate heart so many times. Now, I know believers can get caught up in addictions too, but unbelievers certainly are in addiction because either you've said yes to Christ or you've said no to Christ. There's no middle ground. There's no neutral there. And maybe you say, well, no, I've not said no to Jesus Christ. Well, if you've not said yes to him, by default, you've said no to him. And so today, I want to encourage you. I just want you to seek the Lord. Everything you've tried before to break free from your addictions obviously hasn't worked in your life. Don't you want to look to God, to that higher power, to that highest power, to give you a power that you don't have to change? You know, God loves you. God cares for you. God's got a perfect plan for you. God wants to bless you. God wants to forgive you. God wants to give you a brand new beginning. And God's plan and God's goal and God's dream for your life is far above and beyond anything you could ever hope for or imagine. Looking back on my life now for 30 some years ago, when I got into a place in my drug addiction where I was using needles to shoot up cocaine and really anything I could get my hands on just to numb the pain, nobody would ever thought that God would take a an addict like that, that God would take an alcoholic like that. There was a time in my life where I would rather drink my lunch than eat my lunch. Nobody ever would have suspected that God would take that kind of brokenness, that kind of addict, that kind of a person and call him to preach. There's a chapter in my book, Casting Down Idols Through the Power of the Gospel, chapter one, that's entitled, From the Needle to the Bible. But you know, that's what God can do. That's what God can do for you. Maybe you're not using a needle. It doesn't matter what the addiction is. Sin is sin in the sight of God. And an addiction, again, whatever it is that controls you, becomes your God. The one true living God, the God that created you, always got a wonderful plan for your life. I want to ask you really examine your heart answer the question between you and the Lord what's number one in your life what is it that's a priority the number one motivation for why you do what you do and if it's not God my friend you're worshiping a false God. I look forward to talking to you again next week in episode number two. I'm going to be sharing my story. So you pray for me as I prepare that and gather my thoughts to share with you the change that has happened in my life. And I believe that same change is available to you today. You don't have to stay the way you are. The good news of the gospel is you can change. God's got a plan. Would you look to him? Why don't you begin even right now just crying out to God in prayer and asking God, Lord, show me. God, save me. God, deliver me. God, I want this new life that Pastor Mike's been talking about. And I promise you, if you ask, if you seek, and you knock, he'll give you an answer. God bless you. I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Be blessed this week on this road called recovery. Reach out to one another. Encourage one another as we walk it together.